Welcome to the Special Needs Kids Are People Too podcast with Amy Bodkin, EDS. Amy is an autistic adult who also happens to be a school psychologist turned special needs consultant and public speaker. She's also a homeschooling mom to two autistic kiddos, a yoga instructor, a card-carrying truckie, and an all-around fun person. And last but not least, Amy is an advocate for seeing every child as a person, not a diagnosis. Because a special needs kid is just like any other child, just more so. Here's Amy Bodkin. I'm Amy Bodkin, and welcome to another special episode of Special Needs Kids Are People Too. Today, I am joined by Cynthia Heron, who is the blogger and person in charge of Inside Our Normal, which is a blog that focuses specifically on homeschooling your family when your family doesn't exactly sit sit inside the typical box um, in a variety of ways. Uh, Cynthia herself is an autistic neurodivergent adult. And Cynthia, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about kind of how did you get started with blogging in the first place um, and specifically about homeschooling neurodivergent families? Um, So a big part of what it became was trying to serve the people that I wish I would have had available to me as we started our own homeschool journey. Um, We started homeschooling because I wanted to homeschool because based on my own uh, public school experience, which was not so typical in and of itself, I realized I needed to homeschool my own kids. Um, And then once we'd started down that journey, then I learned all of the extra needs that my kids had, which made it even more important to be able to homeschool and to have that flexibility to meet their needs in various ways. Um, So that was kind of what it became. And then because we had the different needs, the typical resources, the typical guidebooks didn't really fit and really solve our problems and help me learn what I needed to know because our kids weren't typical. Um, Whether it was looking for the non-kindergarten material because my child was in kindergarten, so that must be nice kindergarten materials that weren't a good fit. Or if it was other needs, Kind of down the road we're like what do you mean my kids like that no they're not like that um they don't want to learn that now they skip that skill like all of those kinds of things and so i really wanted to become a resource because i didn't have that resource uh you're absolutely right a lot of the resources out there are designed for like your typical average developmentally like appropriate child who's this you know, perfect average picture that's pretty much nobody. (laughs) Yeah, very much so. So Um, with Inside Our Normal, you share a lot of different resources of things that you wish you had had when you first started homeschooling. Yes. So the first thing, so I started doing preschool with my oldest because I was not a play with you mom. I just, I was not a sit on the floor and play mom. I just wasn't. And so I needed to create that structure to like interact with my child. And so that became doing a letter of the week. And so I would make the little lesson plans for her and we would, you know, nothing too strenuous, but like, hey, let's go get some picture books. What starts with A? You know, hey, here's a few coloring sheets from the internet, et cetera. Um, And then kind of following her lead, we would do the activities. 
and it was just preschool so the bar was pretty low and i was like well if i can get to z then maybe i can like do this actual homeschool thing when she gets older uh it took a year and a half to get to z um and two moves and yeah but we did it and i learned a lot about myself a lot about her and in the meantime her little brother became a preschooler as well with some different needs and some learning delays which started to throw those kinks in there and be like wait a minute like he's ready to read the picture book for kindergarten but he can't do the worksheets because we have this delay so i guess that curriculum won't work anymore because it's very worksheet heavy right and that's when it started getting really frustrating and being like well i want to use this but that must mean i have to change this and dissect it and pull all these other parts out and put this in and out and you know so that you know boxed curriculum was not didn't fit our box <laughs> um and that's kind of where and to us it's all normal that's kind of where the name comes from on our site is our normal is normal to us um i didn't realize my own autism because it's all i'd ever known right i'm the only one who knows how my brain works and so to me it was normal um, exactly. I, I was so, so confused. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all don't do this. I was exactly. so shocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, and as I found needs of my kids multiple times, doctors were like, well, actually, we think you're the one who has an issue. And I'm like, well, no, like, just see what I see. Um, yeah, so there was a few different doctors we never went back to and stuff and finally we did find the doctor who saw my son and when he could at the age of three and a half say the full proper names of dinosaurs um you know pterodactyl and pteranodon uh correctly they they learned oh maybe there's something else here that we need to look at at the same time so yeah i love how um most people's first response is mom must be crazy when you go into the doctor and say something's yeah. up so their automatic response is, oh no, they're fine. Mom's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we've heard that a few times. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, in the end, I've actually never been crazy. Um, I know. And we found other things that in fact, my third child who is at this point, not likely to be neurodiverse is not officially neurodiverse. We don't think so, but I, you know, who knows? We've got so a lot early. of life to live. Um, but he has other health issues that are more physical. And um, again, something's been off for a really, actually really since he's been born. And I just kind of kept being like, okay, let's dive in. Something's not right. And last year we got a new diagnosis that was one we weren't expecting, but was actually definitely a part of what was going on and something he'll be managing for the rest of his life. But I was like, you know what? Maybe mom kind of knows something here. Uh, shockingly, moms usually do because they spend more time with their children than anyone yeah. else. My favorite doctor we ever saw said, um, he told me, if mom says something's wrong, we look until we find it. And I was like, I am dedicated to you for the rest of your practice because <laughs> I can get on board with that because, you know, we were having yeah. severe immune issues and no one was listening. And they kept saying, well, mom's crazy. It's autism. I'm like, autism is not immune issues. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, I so think, <laughs> well, I was gonna say one of the biggest things, so I was labeled gifted as a kid and that was the only real label I had. 
Um, and I had a moment after college, because I went through my four years of high school, immediately went to four years of college, immediately got married. And then I didn't have a career immediately, partially because we moved to a new city and sort of followed my husband's career and then I would find something once we got there. Um, and I sat around and I was like, wait, like, I want to learn still all the things, even though I'm done with school. Like, I want to keep learning. And I suddenly realized that giftedness didn't end when you're 18. <laughs> no, it wasn't just like a school thing. Like, it was actually like a part of me forever. Mm-hmm. And that was like this huge aha moment, mm-hmm. um, which then, you know, continued to influence other things. And, but again, it was my normal. Um, Absolutely. Well, and um, Cynthia and I met actually because uh, we were part of a homeschool conference online and she invited me to participate in her uh, Inside Our Homeschool series that she did recently on her blog. And I wrote about what it was like being a Jewish homeschool family because that's that's like the most unusual type of homeschooler you can get almost. Uh, we have great uh, private education options, uh, much like Catholic families do too. And it was a long time before you started seeing more Catholic homeschoolers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at any rate, that's how Cynthia and I got to know each other because um, we're both doing homeschooling in our own version of normal. And it doesn't look like any of the typical like homeschool stuff. And the box curriculums, they never fit quite right because they're not designed with our families in mind. Um, nope. But Cynthia, tell me a little bit more or tell our listeners anyways a little bit more about some of the different areas um, of neurodivergence, of uh, maybe giftedness, all those different kinds of areas that you tend to write most about because I know you invited a bunch of us on to share some of our experiences which were not your experiences no. um, but I know that you tend to focus in a little bit more on more your area of expertise yeah so I unlike you while I want to speak and help these people I speak specifically from a fellow mom perspective and one that's done the needed research so that I can teach and parent my kids best um, which is no less valuable, but comes from a different place. And so Absolutely. I'm a little more limited to share on this research that I've done personally that benefits our family. Um, so one of the first things that started us towards the outside the box neurodivergent world was sensory challenges. Um, fine motor skills and sensory is what led one of my kids to their autism diagnosis, which doing research for them that led me to do my own evaluations. Um, And so that was kind of where we started. So actually, just recently, I released a mom-to-mom ebook, um, 30 30 short pages of self-help, and here's your glossary of need-to-know words, and put it in mom language to help you not be so overwhelmed and to manage those things when you first start hearing those words because there's words i'd never heard until they applied to my kid so Um, true and you know it's funny because i I remember hearing a phrase years ago when my kids were small that um no one does better research 
than a mom who's got a kiddo with something a little different going on. I don't know if that was yeah. the exact way they worded it, but they're not wrong because moms care about their kids more than anybody else. And they're way more invested than any professional who's going to come into their lives. And right. if they know something's off, they are going to do the deep dive. They're going to leave no stone unturned. Um, so anytime any kind Absolutely. of parent comes out and says, hey, I've done this ahead of you. Let me share with you what I have learned you can pretty much guarantee it will be gold because they will have an upturned research that most of the professionals haven't looked at. Yeah, right. And we have our test subjects right in front of us to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what triggers. Now, also, sensory issues, just like any other neurodivergent issue, looks completely different in every kid. Um, we were actually talking about a child at our co-op who I also personally know is neurodiverse. Um, but it looks different than the way it looks in each of the people in our family. And so my kids hadn't necessarily picked up that that's why this kid was odd or different. Um, in a way, even though on paper they may be the same, they're not the same. I mean, we're each, every one of us is a completely individual person. Um, and yet their profile looks so different. That's so true. We life. had a conversation like that at our house at one point. I remember the kids went to a camp. And they were like, I don't understand what's going on with this kid. I'm like, well, turns out this kid's autistic, just like you are, just different like you are. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't look the same because it's just a little different in the way it presents. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh. And I was like, yeah. it, it was so funny that we had to have that conversation because it's such a normal part of their normal that seeing it come out differently in another family or another mm -hmm. individual. Um, I just hadn't expected it, I guess. Yeah, it, it's definitely different. And, you know, we've seen, I, I find it really funny, actually, the pandemic was actually really good to my autistic kids because our life was simplified. Their social circle was really simplified. And so they got to dig into some real specific friendships that then gave them a lot more confidence to then be doing some different activities now that we're sort of in the post-pandemic world. Um, and so they're thriving in places I never expected them to, but it's because they had that nice closed safe circle for those couple of years that really let them grow in skills. Now, we're not perfect, we're still growing in our skills, but they were able to make a jump that I didn't expect um, because life was different and because life was limited, it gave them that space. Yeah, to have the, there were some definite advantages. I mean, there were some definite disadvantages mm -hmm. too, but there were some definite yeah. advantages, I think, especially for um, those of us who are neurodiverse, um, because mm -hmm. suddenly the world was operating a little bit more, maybe the way that we would prefer it to operate normally. <laughs> um, you I know. Think so. You don't have to go to the grocery store and talk to somebody. You can just get the groceries ordered to your door. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, figured out how to be able to do doctor's appointments online without having to go in person and get exposed to all of those germs and it being too cold, too bright, too everything. Exactly. Yeah. So. No, there's, there's, I mean, there's so many good parts to it. And now my own um, social energy um, I feel is much more taxed because we are doing all really good things in our lives right now. Um, 
but I can feel the social energy also being depleted because of those expectations, both as a mom trying to manage. Now I have a teenager, a preteen, and a, you know, upper elementary school student, which is not what I had going into the pandemic. No. <laughs> I had and kindergartner it's going into the pandemic. Um, so manage, and now like teen social life and everything, managing all these things and their emotions and their neurodiversity on top of my own, on top of the family, on top of all these commitments. Oh, yeah. um, it's really, it's been a challenge and a constant conversation both for our whole family but also for my spouse and i to you know continually dialogue as far as these are my needs but this is what has to get done and where can the slack be picked up where can i get the rest i need and the ways to recharge um is a constant balance and planners and stuff help and sometimes we just have to let ourselves crash yeah, well, and you know, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. I mean, people always talk about like kids and their special needs or their neurodivergence or, you know, whatever it is they have going on that's outside the box. But we very rarely talk about what that's like being the parent, which is mm -hmm. a whole different kettle of fish because, yeah, I mean, as the parent, you have to be the adult at times and sometimes even though we want our kids to learn to make a priority of meeting their own needs, sometimes we do end up putting our needs on hold for a short period of time mm -hmm. because our kids need something and they depend on it. And now for a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, this is Amy from amybodkin.com. I wanted to let you know that we're starting a new type of episode on the podcast called Dear Amy. We would love for you to submit the questions you have about homeschooling and life in general with special needs to amybodkin.com forward slash dear dash Amy. I'm looking forward to discussing some of the topics that are important in your life. And of course, none of the homeschool stuff is designed for a neurodivergent parent. <laughs> I mean, you might get yeah. lucky and find something that's like geared towards adaptability for your child, but finding something that's designed for the neurodivergent parent yeah. That's practically unheard of. So I guess that's kind of, in a, a way, one of the uh, little niches that your blog fills is being able mm -hmm. to create that connection um, between parents. Yeah. And it, it, it's been a challenge. I mean, in our own homeschool this year, um, we went from doing a lot of morning time and having a lot of less planning because I had everybody doing science at home together to now this year having three individual science curriculums. Um, in part because we're doing this co-op and that's just really taxing my um, needs because it was easy, much easier for me to plan one history, one science, one literature program that we did together and then discuss and expectations for follow-up based on each child's age and ability. But now that we're choosing to invest in a community and participate there, I don't have those choices. And so I have to fill the holes that they give us, which does mean more work for me. And so it's kind of, it's all, I mean, it's all, life is always the trade-off. Um, but I've seen such a clear one this year. And, you know, we joined because we really needed that community. Um, even being neurodiverse, we need that community and it can be harder to find. Um, and we've been really blessed. The one we're in right now is right now a good fit. That's fantastic. Um, it's not always the case, no. but when you find no. that community that's a good fit, 
I mean, it's worth mm -hmm. it to throw some things off so that you yeah. can get the benefits. Mm -hmm. But the community is great because all the classes are a la carte. So it's not an all or nothing. Oh, that helps. Yeah. So kids are able to take what works for them. Um, in fact, other kids are still at co-op as we record this. But for what worked for us was to only go in the morning. And now I'm getting to talk to you in the afternoon. Um, and so we could make make those trade-offs and participate with part of the day instead of all the day. Because uh, all the day would definitely not work for some of my students. Um, yeah, and I, I never imagined that the three hours that we do go would work for those students. And it is. And that's just something I celebrate every week. When we get They're to always changing and growing. They are. So are we to a point. But... It's a little yeah. more dramatic in them at times. Yeah. Well, I would just say to anybody with smaller kids that seem to have incomprehensible needs, um, the only thing that's true is your child's going to grow and change. Um, and the child that had needs, and we've actually, we're actually on our third IEP renewal right now. Um, and so the child that had an IEP on paper had major sensory needs as a preschooler. Uh, couldn't be in the classroom without headphones, um, needed a small classroom, lots of sensory breaks. Uh, the child in third grade, it wasn't so much sensory, it was their writing skills. Um, and that they just wouldn't complete the worksheets. They'd refer to do, refuse to do them, but they would draw Angry Bird cartoons for hours um, and explode in the classroom because they didn't understand or weren't ready to do something. Um, and now we're doing it again as a seventh grader. Um, and I'm not sure what they're going to come up with and tell me. I think there's still some major writing needs, but now that we're in middle school, it's more about teaching them to type and just move on from trying to make them write oh, yeah. um, and accommodate in other ways. And that's the child that's now going to school for three hours once a week. And I said would never be possible. Um, so I don't know where he's going to lead us. It's never also say never. <laughs> and it's also the most challenging, and I think the infuriating part as a parent is I feel like he's my wild kid card, wild card kid. Um, because in any kind of long-term planning, he could be really successful on his own, or he could need a lifetime of support. And I literally have no idea what. And the history so far continues to show me it could be anything, and I can't prepare one way or the other for various needs because I have no idea what they are. Yeah. And which know, is exciting at the same time, but it's also kind of infuriating. Like, because yeah. if you have a child who needs a lot of support, you know how to plan accordingly. If you mm -hmm. have a child that is neurotypical, like you have a pretty defined plan. But if you've got these wild card kids in the middle, it's a real challenge to kind of think mm -hmm. about what the long-term plan yeah, like. it's um, my mother always used to say that Amy's just like any other child, just more so. And I think for a lot of us as parents, the frustrating part about parenting is that we're trying to support these little kids who have minds of their own and do their own thing. And like they completely change the map on us because they're constantly growing and developing. Yeah. Um, but then when you have a kid who's, you know, a little more outside the box than average, then yeah, it's the same kinds of issues. It's just more so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Cynthia, tell us a little bit 
Um, well, tell everybody who's listening where they can find you, a little bit about what you offer, those kinds of things, so they can make sure that they can find all the good stuff. So my website is insideournormal.com. Um, and there you'll find a lot of um, homeschool reviews, always with an eye towards different kids, um, how they work for all the different needs that we have in our family or that I'm aware of with other people. Um, you'll also find I have a homeschool planning course for helping you plan when you can't use the box curriculum. Um, as well as on Facebook, you can find me at Inside Our Normal. And I also have the Outside the Box Homeschool Community where I host monthly workshops, which Amy was a part of that not too long ago, um, where we have bringing guests and I do monthly talks on different things. This month, as we record this, I just did one on sensory challenges as I released our new parent guide for that. So those are the main places you're gonna find me. And either one, you can get on my email list where I send out more tips and tricks and that's where I, they get all the latest news first. Well, Cynthia, I am really glad that you put out all of this stuff into the world for homeschool families who are outside the box. Um, but especially, I love the approach that you take with it. Um, I love the uh, descriptor that you've chosen inside our normal. I think that that um, is a perfect description. So I really appreciate you being on the podcast with me today. And uh, guys, hang around. We will be having more episodes coming out in the near future. We'll see you then. We hope you had fun listening to today's episode and gained some new insights into the wonderful variety of people in our world. You can find out more about Amy's advocacy work at amybodkin.com. And remember, special needs kids are people too.